Welcome to Tales from the Pit. This week, my guest is Soren Bowie. This is your content warning. Although this is a lighter episode than most, I do feel compelled to warn you that you may be triggered by Soren's pleasant charm and easy manner. We don't discuss too much that's troubling, but I think you'll really enjoy it. It's certainly not as dark as most as our topic is the fact that Soren himself has never been depressed in his whole life. So if you're ready to hear about that and get really jealous, let's start the show. tale about old Soren Bowie, not Bowie, although he hails from mighty Colorado, as tall as a timber, white, handsome, and limber, with the charm of a Clooney and a Kanye's bravado. The sun shone bright when he tramped into the forest, a land of desolation where the grief-stricken go, and he went slacklining from a big weeping willow, a whistling his way from those woods to Mexico. Well, he got to the waters of the Russian Rio Grande. He lent a helping hand to save a sad and drowning man. A grinning and a winning as he laid him on the sand. Soren did a standing backflip and surveyed the lonely land. Said the man he saved a sputtering, well, my name is Michael Swaim, and though I'm lost in the blue of your perfect Aryan eyes, I'm afraid you made this drowning into a future hanging, cause I came to this place to architect my own demise. Soren chuckled and he muttered and got into a good college, just a privileged and as happy as a beaver in a dam. And he said, why ever would you want to end the movie early? The world's a big and bright one, and he ate himself a ham. But he didn't gain a pound because he had a great metabolism, perfect teeth and vision, and he usually smelled nice. Michael said, well, mister, surely you've been followed by that blue shadow of a storm cloud that ain't no paradise. Surely there's been times when your smile don't come easy, when you realize you're balding and not just thinning out, when everything looks black and bleak as beavers in a dam, and you'd do almost anything to get yourself on out. Well, Soren thought a while while his stock investments doubled and fended off job offers to give him time to mull. Then he did a standing backflip and he figured out the trouble. And as a ship came in with buoy printed on the hull, he said, Swaim, you funny bumblefuck, I just can't see your reasoning. Not that sadness hasn't ever been a friend to me, but depression, that's another thing, and life's got too much seasoning to not do standing backflips with my flaw family. Then he left Swaim on the shore there to meet his smiling brood on the gangplank of the boat they didn't even know they'd won in a lottery called Genetic Predisposition Toward a Stable, Healthy, Positive Outlook, and they sailed into the sun. And I'd say, so fuck that guy, if he wasn't the nicest guy I've ever met. Isn't that the worst? 
When someone healthy, talented, strong, and handsome turns out to be nice. Seriously, fuck that guy. Oh, there, I guess I said it. Growth. Soren is, of course, a longtime friend and compatriot from my tenure at Cracked. We both started as bloggers there. He played Thelonious Bone in the series Agents of Cracked, and on a more personal note, I was present when, at his bachelor party, he dove into a pool so well that he split the front of his head open and went to the hospital without most of us realizing he was gone. I thought it fitting for this reunion that we include at least a few list-style articles throughout, for old time's sake. X things you may not have known about Soren Bowie. X. It's pronounced Bowie. X minus one. He can do that flag move where you hang sideways from a light pole. X minus two. Before transitioning to the Cracked team, Soren was an editor for Trails.com and an avid hiker, during which period he discovered native ruins in a cliff face that had never before been mapped. X minus three. He has written a novel, which is excellent, and which you should bug him to release. X minus four. His persona on Cracked was charming, smug, and aloof. In real life, he's more of an endearing child trapped in a man body, more so than AOC Mike ever was. X minus five. Soren often hid rocks in various places in and around the elevators at the Cracked offices. No one knows why, himself included. X minus six. Sometimes he even tailed people down the alleyway behind the Third Street Promenade to spy on them and figure out what they punched in on keypads to gain access to different locked doors at other buildings. X minus six minus another one. He's actually Joffrey from Game of Thrones in an alternate timeline where Joffrey grew up. See, that's a list. You have to crunch some of the numbers yourself. Here's another list. Famous people with depression. Buzz Aldrin, Maria Bamford, Wayne Brady, Drew Carey, Jim Carey, Agatha Christie, Winston Churchill, Charles Darwin, Edward Degas, Emily Dickinson, Bob Dylan, Stephen Fry, Donald Glover, John Goodman, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Hamid Karzai, Kid Cudi, Akira Kurosawa, John Lennon, Gustav Mahler, Bill Murray, Friedrich Nietzsche, Patton Oswalt, Sylvia Plath, Richard Pryor except when he was boning Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando, Ayn Rand, obviously, J.K. Rowling, Britney Spears, Uma Thurman, Tchaikovsky, Mark Twain, Tom York, obviously, and last, but most importantly, Moby. I guess my point is, who are we to be happy? Here's a counter list of famous people without depression, which is not something that you can Google, so most of them are assumptions on my part, and at some point it switches over into joke entries. See if you can spot the transition. Soren Bowie, Bob Ross, Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Ellie Kemper, Mr. Rogers, Swedish people, most dogs, Bizarro Hemingway, Wyatt Coke, and Slurms McKenzie, the party worm. What can we learn from these freaks, these elephant men and women and worms, with grotesque growths of excess cheer and perspective befouling their perfectly symmetrical faces? We can study them as archaeologists and paleontologists might. 
looking for context clues to their preternatural mental normalcy, or as biologists would, seeking to replicate their chemical profiles by bathing monkey brains in vats of chemicals until something awesome happens. Maybe it would be more appropriate to approach them as one would an exotic animal, with some reverence, a bit of a thrill, and no hope of ever actually becoming one. Myself, I prefer to dig into happy people like Soren as one would scoop out a cross-section of landfill with a chip on your shoulder, constantly muttering things like, see, they ain't so great, and what is this garbage? Hey, how about another list? Eight things Soren was doing at key moments in my depressive career. Number eight. While I was getting in the car accident that would trigger my initial bout of major depressive disorder, Soren was reading Chuck Norris facts online and thinking, I can top that. Number seven. When I was ripping up my artwork and hitting myself in the head for the first time, Soren was discovering he had a natural affinity for the trampoline, comma, betting women. Number six. When I was drinking a bottle of Jameson a day alone in my room, Soren was protecting our national interests from the cockpit of an F-14 Hellcat fighter jet, and also drinking a bottle of Jameson a day. Number five. When I was getting too in my head to write the rest of the entries on this list, Soren was standing in perfect tableau with his wife and son, cradled in the gentle light of morning. And number one. While I was failing to write most of an eight-entry list, Soren was succeeding at writing an episode of American Dad that I'm sure will be stellar and probably not feature that stupid German fish too much. And if Soren's luck, work ethic, and our friendship all hold out, maybe I'll be repurposing some of these jokes for a career retrospective roast. And on that hypothetical day, after I've gotten in my jabs and snipes, I will of course be obliged by the format to tell Soren that he is an inspiration to me, someone who has been a great friend for a decade now, and someone I hope to know for the rest of my days, because Soren is someone worth knowing. Fortunately, this isn't a roast, but a roast within a monologue within a podcast, so fuck that guy. Seriously, screw Soren Bowie. This is no longer a joke. Fuck him in the head. Now, please welcome my good friend, Soren Bowie. <laughs> I got Adam in the American Dad writer's room. Does edgier humor fly than flu at the cracked writer's room? Uh, no. Okay. No, there have been, I've had jokes die on the floor, like in, in such an embarrassing way. That's in every way. writer's room. Yeah. I mean, like, you can't Learning the sensibility all. of the room was really hard for me because it's different, completely different comedic sensibility. Okay. So it is different. Right, right, right. You yeah. did have to readjust your comedic Abs- sensibility. Yeah. Like yeah. my, and my instincts were wrong. <laughs> like I go in there firing and well, I was like, oh, these are not planned. They're fully built for a long time by one template. We're rolling, by the way. This is fine. Uh, yeah, that's fine. We're fully built. You're like, your sensibilities are fully cracked is a specific voice yeah absolutely yeah, but it wasn't general like all comedy but the sketches too i mean it was like we we really rewarded cleverness a lot mm-hmm. and like and even if it was at the sake of yeah we're pretty smug uh, yeah well at the sake of like something sounding very real we still were like not clever is better like learning something is better uh, some new information being uh disseminated was like is better than 
than just like yes. a, a chasing a joke down some like tangential path. I think so. And we've that even even though there are many videos where on their surface that one's just a sketch, the sensibility bled in because you were working well on the fact based stuff all the time. So yeah, you just yeah yeah absolutely it's just different. <laughs> and here it's it's very different. And like and like so they're they're not afraid to chase a joke and. I love it. Like there, a lot of stuff sure. that they do is is very like nuanced Larry Davidish type stuff. Like observations that they're yeah. coming. Like I can see your your penis. Like uh, two two CIA <laughs> agents being like like in the mornings when you come into the gym, I can see your penis through your sweatpants and uh, yeah, <laughs> and it bothers me a little. And like that's like the <laughs> like the whole thing. So it does feel edgier. But you're right. I'm saying that because it would have been dangerous in a cracked room to push something so formless. Someone would be like, yes, there could even be a ripple of laughter. Then it would die and people would be like, "Okay, but what's your point or how does that structurally fit into the concept? (laughs) Well, there's all kinds of things you don't have to worry about here that like like titling. People will just come up with crazy titles for their because they're like, fuck it. Who cares? Episode titling. Yeah. And that was so dangerous for us. And with something like animation, you also you never have to worry about like. Well, I want to take them to someplace brand new. I want, like we're gonna do like a dream world. Yeah. Yeah. In and cracked, we'd be like, you can't do that. That's, well, that's gonna be what's so great expensive. About podcasting. We're recording this from deep under the ocean. <laughs> in <laughs> my right, twenty thousand league. No, there's a dome, Soren. Oh, there's sorry. What is the giant squid on no, the outside of the dome? Well, that is the sentient cyborg squid servant. <laughs> Did I manifest that with my own mind? Yeah. The sphere is this coffee table we're recording on is actually the sphere from Sphere. So try not to think about anything. I'll just say that that joke would have died on the floor at my new job. <laughs> Much like my squid man servant is dying on the. <laughs> For now. Oh man, <laughs> servant. <laughs> um, so you are developing a sense. That's funny. You're like that would die. You would have censored that joke. In yes. The room. Yeah. Yeah. And like I, I tried early on. Like there was some. That was the other thing. Is it cracked? We really favor t- pop culture. Like if you can make some analog to pop culture, everyone's like, ah, there's a yeah. good connection. That's good. Uh, if I try and do that here with like Tailspin, or I tried to have Haley like singing the x-men theme song uh from the cartoon and like dressing up as jubilee just like fucking around her room and everyone's like i don't know what that is <laughs> i was like yeah. okay we'll forget it wait meaning they haven't <laughs> they don't know what jubilee is more yes there are people who didn't know wow. it. yeah so we we're there was one just like it's more um i find the mcfarland versus still the zeitgeist but celebrity culture more than nerd culture yeah it yep. doesn't have the nerd focus yeah right so uh, there are some people on staff who are like really well versed in that kind of thing yeah. but it on the whole it just doesn't play which is funny because your persona is not nerd focused but you're j- like by the standards of an average person walking down the street you're very nerdy yes yeah, yeah. okay i'm glad you admit it yeah just as much <laughs> as any of us at cracked you were like the jock of cracks, but that's not that, what does that much. mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so working backwards to get us on topic, uh, is it landing this great job the point after which you've never been depressed <laughs> or earlier? I don't, I've never, I mean, I've never in my no, life. No, we're doing, <laughs> was it the birth of your child? I was going to go through all the great things in your that life. That happened. In reverse order. <laughs> oh, then let's do that. Like, That's way more fun. What was it? What was the, it was, th- no. Uh, wasn't um, the job. Was wasn't it, the kid. Wasn't my great wife. Okay. Wasn't my uh, learning crack. <laughs> I was like, he's taking his pants <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't this gigantic pendulous yeah. dick that I've been blessed with. <laughs> um, discovering an Anasazi ruin that had never before been mapped by man. Wasn't that? Yeah, no, it wasn't the moment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that did happen. Um, um, yeah. So to give us a baseline though, sure. 
do you not, much like the proverbial jubilee in the writer's room, do you not know what it means or what it feels like at all? Can you, or have you ever been depressed? No, I, the most I can equate it, I don't think I have. And I, I think it's one of those things where like, <laughs> there are young women who are like in their 20s are like, I think I've had an orgasm. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, You'd know if you had it. <laughs> um, in the same way, I've not had depression, but I'm like, in my mind, it's like, I mean, I've been really sad before, but the, equating the two sounds really pedantic and like condescending almost. Man, it never piss. There's no easier way to piss someone off if they suffer from actual migraines than to have a bad headache and th- and say, I think it's a migraine. Yes. Like, do you see fucking spots? <laughs> right. Are you, do you need to like burrow into a couch or you'll vomit from the pain? There are people who get those cluster headaches who yeah. are like, Oh, you got a headache? Oh, you got a little headache? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Oh, some light sensitivity. What yeah. the? Well, I wanted to kill myself. Exactly. I wanted yeah. to drive into a, the front of a truck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to pause momentarily just in case people are hearing shower audio in the background. <laughs> I'm showering as we're doing this podcast. <laughs> Soren began showering. No, it's my lovely girlfriend, Jan. Um, who lives with me under the sea? I guess I have to run with that. <laughs> it is. I, I now being in this uh, bubble, I'm realizing that all glass might have been a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and it's not plexi. It's not bulletproof. No, it's I not see right through it. There's no. There's no icing. There's it's nothing. Just that candy glass you can get. Yeah, <laughs> ten square foot of dime. Um, okay. This is well. I'm gonna go hard on you mm-hmm. because apparently, please it won't hurt, bother you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I want to learn something. So, here, what's so. the saddest thing that's happened to you that you're willing to say? <laughs> um, because well, you must yeah. experience grief. Your yeah, life of course. is not perfect. Right? Yeah, there are things God that happen, and when you realize that they when you can uh, honestly, like big, profound, sad things have happened, but those take a while to take effect. It's really the things that you can like. Or for me, it's that I can contextualize right away mm-hmm. on like how this will negatively affect my life. Who's like suddenly I'm missing somebody from my yeah. life or lived through death or something like that. But uh, the the saddest I've been like most recently is all hypothetical. It's like thinking of situations in which my son isn't mine anymore. Of course. <laughs> um, classic. <laughs> and you can really it's very easy to get to like fall down a hole with that and just keep picturing ways of yeah. like th- that they die. I mean, in a relationship you get, you're very, you, you're, it's natural for you in a very good relationship to be like, well, what are all the ways that this relationship could end? Like, that's just sure. what your brain will do. It'll be like, okay, well they could leave me. They could yeah. cheat on me. Like the, all these things Screwdriver you worry about. Killer breaks in at night. <laughs> yeah. The, the, <laughs> but the only way, like you don't break up with your child. The only way that your child stops being your child in this relationship is they die. Yeah, And so your brain is just like preparing you for that. And I'd like to think that it was like, it's my brain trying to be like, well, we're going to account for all scenarios so that you never have to worry about that. Any room you go into, you're going to see all the ways that he might die and you're going to be able to account for those. But I am seeing all those ways he could die in a room, but it's only because my brain is like, look, at some point he's going to die and you have to be ready for that. And that's whoa, what it's preparing, whoa, preparing me is for. Is that because you don't believe that you'll ever die? So you, <laughs> the natural order, if you're not aware, is you would die first. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, that's what it's preparing me or for the worst like, case one scenario. One day he's going to take me on and we know how that's going to go. He he's can't gonna... win. He just can't win. I don't know. If anyone follows your Twitter feed, he's got some good raptor moves. He's been raptoring out of the hamper lately. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. He's, he's got some, my son has some dinosaur moves. And a samurai name. I think yeah. he could take you. <laughs> um, 
yeah, with, by name, it should suggest that at some point he will lose his, yeah. his sensei. Yeah, I don't want to blow up his spot, but his name is Hiroki Shurizawa. <laughs> a little appropriate, if I thought, but you ran with it. I I really like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Oni I, of my wife's loins, I believe, is how you refer to him. <laughs> he, but yeah, like you, I will. I, it took me a while to realize that was what was happening because you do sure. picture your your kid dying in a lot of different ways. And it yeah. seems very real in like an alternate dimension type of way where you're like, you can't tell if you've remembered it or not because it's so oh, real. Boy. And Does if you really replace... indulge in it, if you really like give into it. Sure. Do you ever wake up in the morning and have like, did that happen? Moment? So Has, is that all net in this category now? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, to give you a sense of it, there were several times uh, when he was, just like under a year where my wife and I would be sleeping and I would jolt out and grab her because I mm. thought that he was her in the bed or that he was under the covers and and smothering. He's never slept in our bed either, but it's just like these absurd scenarios or like that. I had a fear that he <laughs> He's had growing out of control. I, I had a fear that he had was in our bed, had rolled out onto the floor and that the room was flooding and like also, he was drowning. I want, we have a second floor house. Yeah, so that's where yeah. we sleep. You're like, everyone on the ground floor is dead, but that's not important now. (laughs) Does Colleen have the same thing? No, I checked in with her and she doesn't really, because she also doesn't indulge that kind of stuff either. Uh, Did you, but you're someone who's always had really good situational awareness. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's related. You used to hide rocks in the elevator. It feels like it has something to do with sit rep. Um, But it's like you used to be James Bond who's like, there's an exit, there's an exit. No danger here. My back is covered. And now it's all transferred to like, that would kill him. Oh, I'd be sad if he died that way. That would cripple me for life if he died that way. The one that sticks out for me a lot because it was so ludicrous was when he was young, right when he started walking, I was like, you know what would be fun is to take him to the aquarium. And then I started like imagining the aquarium. And then I was like, and then they've got that aviary there that's really fun and you can have like please don't end with carried (laughs) off by birds well just like you can have sugar in like a little dish of sugar in your hand so the birds land on you and then i had this horrific moment where i just was imagining all these birds overwhelming my son and then like starting to like peck at him and peck at his eyes and things like that and i was and it was so real in my mind that i was like why did i do that to myself like i had to flinch just thinking about it has colleen ever suffered from depression uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, you kind of have to self-identify. I looked up right before this. The uh, statistic that is, I'm like, I don't know how you nail that down. Yeah. But apparently it's like very repeated statistics, 67 to 6.9% of people. Okay. Which that's is lower, lower than, than yeah. Yeah. And that's each year. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Any given year. So it could shift around. I don't know how to do the math quickly where it's like how many people ever, but. I wonder if because you have don't experience depression, you're more free to like fancifully take a tour of Nightmare Town. I think that's what it honestly like. <sighs> and I don't know. I don't. There's going to be a lot of times in this podcast for people who do have depression that I'm going to sound wildly <laughs> condescending. But I think that that's what it is. Like They've I come will to expect it. if I have really sad or uh, yeah, deeply sad dreams, and I have very real dreams. Then yeah. Um, I do feel really comfortable in just like indulging that the next day and being like, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was so weird. Oh, and then this part, that was very interesting. And I don't, I don't get so mired in it that it's overwhelming. It's just like glancing at it from the top and being like, do you like interesting? Do you like extremes of media? Like before you had to worry about the kid, Mm -hmm. did you have that phase in college where you watch like, 
What's the most fucked up horror movie you can find? Yeah, yeah. of course. And I okay. would, yeah. And you're in one. But <laughs> I don't know if that was my choice. Yeah, I was in a movie called Are You Scared? That's maybe one of the worst horror movies in existence. And there are some bad ones. a crown to try and claim, yeah. Watch it. I've, you've seen, I've it. seen it. It's I've so, seen it. It's so people really should watch bad. it. Where can you find it these days? You know, is it Netflixable? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, it was for a long time. Are you scared? Are you scared? Generic yeah. title. So well, it was a saw ripoff. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's all traps and puzzles. Um, but so yeah, I. She's she's much more. My wife is much more prone to like deep sadnesses that last longer than I am. Um, and I don't know what what to do in those scenarios sure. either. Um, but I I don't know if she's ever been depressed or if she's. Well, we'll have her on next. <laughs> yeah. When you, uh, so when you do experience something objectively like, well, that was very bad that that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have, what does it feel like? How yeah. long does it last? Sure. Do you do things to try and alleviate it more quickly? Yeah. Um, so like my dad has multiple sclerosis. Oh, okay. And that, that, diagnosis early on was it was hard for me to contextualize and then as he got as it went on like he'd do things like fall into the grill while he's grilling or something like that and and that kind of thing was it felt indicative of something much bigger that i had to worry about and then that would that there was like some sadness with that like okay well how do we deal with this what what is he Mm -hmm. going through like trying to to figure out all of the parts of life that this would influence and affect um and that lasts for like two hours at a time. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I move on to something else. For, like I can compartmentalize it and move on to something else it for sounds, a little while. And it doesn't come back up on you? <laughs> it, it will. It can. I mean, obviously anything like Have that will ever... sneak up on you, but it does not for right. very long. And it's also if I'm in the company of other people, I could just put it away. You're one of our only friends I've never seen lose is cool because... We've been sleep deprived together. We've been on the road together in all various combinations. This, I don't think will upset anyone for me to say like, I've been mad and yelled at a babes yelled at me. Adam and I have fought. I've fought with Dan. Mm -hmm. I've never seen you ever fight with anyone. Have you, do you ever, have you ever blown up, lost your cool, either panic, sadness or anger? Do you yell? Yeah. Uh, yeah, mostly it's, and this is sort of sad. It's with my loved ones. It's, sure. I'm more comfortable losing my, my, my cool with them. And so I have a much shorter fuse with my wife or my mom okay. or people in my life that I'm very close to than anybody else. Anybody else I'll allow tremendous leniency until I'm alone. And then I, I think negatively of them. Gotcha. Um, but, but you have this powerful ability to imagine all the ways they could die. <laughs> I, yes, I do. All, I, I remember as a kid, I had an older brother who, when I would get really mad, I do things like I, I just you just want to explode like when you're young. You yeah. don't know how to deal with any of it yet. And so I would do this thing called Raging Bull. <laughs> Looking <laughs> back on it, it was like I just pretend to be a bull all of a sudden and like I'm gonna charge him and nice. I'm gonna or I'm gonna like I'm just gonna go crazy. I'm just gonna go nuts. And like that was a, a way to to have all of this anger and, and frustration manifest itself into something physiological and uh, he used to make so much fun of me and I realized while I was doing it how humiliating and silly it was and I remembered thinking in my mind like, I don't it's so humiliating to be angry or to lose your cool in front of people I never right. want to do it again I, and I just over time learning to tamp that down until it becomes a tumor at some point later That's on what I, okay <laughs> so it will come back up on you maybe perhaps who knows 
Because I, that's so funny. I had a similar tactic, but it betrays my personality being different is I had robot brain where I would mind flipping a switch on the side of my head and then like reboot and I see everything in green text in my mind Uh (laughs) and robots don't get upset about anything, but it's just like forcing yourself to not address things. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Robot brain. Oh, also, yeah. I also thought it made me good at basketball. When we played horse around yeah. the world, I'd turn on robot brain to cheat. I do remember. I felt guilty about cheating <laughs> by using my robot brain. <laughs> there were, and I, I say that I've never dealt with depression, and I, I still believe that I have not. But there were times early, like in high school, where just about every night I would, I got very, very sad or like cry while I was going to sleep. Because I'd think about things like, you're, it's such a big time to change in your life where you're like, you still like your parents a lot and you want to be in it as close to them as you've always been, but you're becoming an adult and it doesn't feel right Raging anymore. Yeah. yeah. And there's, and you don't feel like your body's right or you feel like things are weird all the time and, and, or that maybe you're not quite right. And everybody's developing uh, towards some like other platonic ideal and you're developing in a different direction. And you know, shit's going to change a lot soon. You have to like move out and see and, what, yeah. And you can't life is articulate like. <laughs> necessarily all of that, but it's all happening. And you don't even know why you're treating your parents the way you do or the people that you love. Like you're getting more mad at them or like, yeah, you're distancing yourself from them emotionally and you don't even, you can't control it necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> That's your parents think you hate them when you're a teenager. Um, uh, yeah. And, Cause you're just sort of trying to emotionally distance yourself from them. And that was all, just seeing that happen and no, having no control over it was very sad to me when I was that age. And I would do a thing, I guess not when I was in high school, but like middle school, I did a thing where when things were getting really bad, I would look in the mirror really hard and then I would trade places with my reflection for a little while because the world was just a little bit different. Oh, And I could go back and forth and it was a real conundrum when I when I lost who, like which world I belong to. But I do remember like staring into the mirror and having a thing where I could look into one eye uh-huh. For a very long time, and then blink, and my reflection just looked a little different to me. I was like, "I'm on the other side." We're both crazy. <laughs> and We're through I the would, looking glass, people. I would like, and I would live on that side for a while, and there'd be some trade-offs. Like th- some things would go right say, in my life. Was it Coraline, where it would be creepily soulless in the other world? No, but there'd be trade. Like there'd be things that I wasn't as good at, or things that uh, that <laughs> that uh, I was a. My, I was more accountable for my lies and things like that. Like little things that I didn't, that yeah. I was like, okay, well, is that worth it right now? Yeah. To not deal with this other thing. Yes. Okay. And then I would go back. <laughs> Did you have anything at that age or I, a little earlier, I guess it's more likely with grappling with the inevitability of death or mortality. Yeah. That was really hard. That uh, was hard for you. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, that, and it's it probably still continues to be. I just don't think about Did it. That gave me panic attacks for years and years. Yeah. The idea of death. And not, yeah, no aspect of not pain or loss or, but literally just the unstoppability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, inevitably all the time ahead will end sometime. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Just mind blowing. I mean, it's the unknown. Yeah. If you stop and really think about it, it will, it, you'll sink crazy. and sink. Yeah. <laughs> and then the best case scenario, you're like, well, what if I live to 108? Well, then you'll experience so many deaths. Like everyone will I pray for like, death at that, that point? That will be yeah. rough too. And what if you're decrepit? Yeah. Or what if your brain goes? I mean, that's the even more terrifying. Is it? I hear Where a lot of people say you're confused and like, mad all the time. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think a lot of that, yeah, comes down to your... It's always hard to differentiate. I'm a big believer. Stimulus affects things, context, genetics, but also chemical profiles. Like it's just crazy 
undifferentiable why you're sad when and I know there's studies that show old people tend to get happier. Like if you make it up there, Mm -hmm. you tend to be more content. And I feel like maybe you've just, there is a kind of peace in, I made it this far and like lowering the bar of expectation from life. Like it could be much worse. I've seen lots of my friends die more horribly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be all right. Are you depressed yet? Uh, My goal is to depress you by the end. Oh no, no. I'm going to (laughs) keep poking at you. Uh, Let's discuss ways your children could die now. (laughs) Oh yeah. I guess they could. I do want to ask, I ask all new parents, is that because so much of our media exaggerates very specific milestones in life that we come to view through a certain lens. The holding the baby for the first moment. I'm not asking you to say your relationship with your son Mm -hmm. is overrated or over over romanticized. Mm -hmm. But when, when the baby first looked in your eyes and you held him, was there like a, from God, like out of body on ecstasy experience, like is depicted. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And in fact, practiced it like i'd look at other kids and be like no imagine this is yours and like feel that and be like oh yeah and you start to see it in their face and everything in this and you're because you're just playing at it but you're mm-hmm. like you can you can really start to believe it and you're like oh, i think i would really i'm really gonna enjoy it i think i'm really gonna i'm gonna like really kids, like this moment yeah. and people yeah i think there is that that quintessential moment from movies where people hold their own child for the first time and they're like and i didn't want to be a dad and then i saw that baby for the first time and I held him and I just knew I like, yeah. I, had to, I had to protect this thing. And it'll no. be like a junkie who is struggling to turn his life around and didn't want the kid. It was an accident. It'll be like, you know what? I don't need crack. I just need this kid. <laughs> yeah. Let's get back together. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I held my son and uh, didn't feel any of that. Um, I feel nothing. You shouted. <laughs> I well, and I I wasn't even. It's be. I think that just like there's a whole different mindset than you're even anticipating during the labor, especially since Colleen had some some troubles with it, where it was like it was really long active labor. And after a little while, I was just sort of like I felt really complicit in the torture of my wife. And at the end, oh boy, she, it, it was like he wasn't progressing, and she was in a lot of pain. And I was like, we should like, let's just not have this baby. Like, let's, whatever else we can do, like, let's just save her. Oh, boy. Um, and, like, it wasn't, I was overreacting. Like, that wasn't, the doctors weren't as worried it's as I was. It's crazy how recently, how much we didn't feel that way. Like, every <laughs> woman died on giving birth <laughs> to her sixth so child. Yeah. I was thinking, there must be so many husbands who are like, she really, it's touch and go. Oh, well. <laughs> like, checking their, their watch, you yeah. know, smoking a cigar. And Let so, me know if she pulls through. I was in the room and I was watching it all happen and, and it just, it looked like we, this was going to go on for, it was just indefinite. And I, I stopped even thinking about the prospect of having a kid in that moment, in those moments. And I was like, let's just like, let's help her. Like, let's, let's do what we right. can. You were just there. For we, her, yeah, yeah. Whatever, we'll backtrack. We, we won't do the pregnancy. Like this was a mistake. Shh. And, and then when we had him, it was all of a sudden there was a baby there and I was just surprised by it. Um, still, it had been so like, long. She was in active labor for like 10 hours. The result of this. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And I held it and it didn't feel any sort of connection to him at all. Did that make you depressed? No. Like your the poverty of expect between expectation and what happened. No. I you, that's you a really had faith that it's like, well, it's probably just exaggerated in media, right? Yes. Yeah. That it comes after a while. Yeah. That, and it feels like such a basic fantasy anyway. That I was like, oh, okay. I, but you instantly I don't need love this. your kid as much as like, you know, within a week or two, you will 
feel that way. Yeah. But it's got to rev up. No, even then, within a week or two, I'll say you, yeah. d- you don't feel it. That oh, okay. Much. Well, yeah. however it takes long. a long time before you like, you feel a real connection to your <laughs> yeah. child. By the way, he's what, almost two now. He's two and a half, two and a half. Yeah. Time flies. Uh, so you're thinking maybe eight or nine, you'll probably start to take a like it. Think around, yeah. As soon as he can start really scoring goals on me earnestly, and oh, I don't have to like okay. let him have. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, no, it's you know when he can pull his weight, chip <laughs> in for the tab sometimes. You know, he chops pe- wood. I might like that kid. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It's it took a long time, and it took a long time for her too. Uh, right. I think it's harder for moms. They're just not as allowed to talk about it in the same way. Oh, okay. Which is sort of sad. Yeah. Well, neither of us know really, so I yeah. guess we can't speak to it. I just thought there was the old, I'm a big believer in, you know, science and biology. Yeah. And it seems to make sense to me, but that doesn't mean something's true. That old thing that like, well, because the mom goes through the pain, there's a, which is true of like boot camp. People have had, you know, kidnapping experiences, Mm -hmm. not to compare pregnancy to this, but like the intense trauma of the experience is supposed to make her kind of have that feeling more than the dad does. Yes. Uh, I don't, but I certainly for my wife, I don't think she felt it right away. And like yeah. now she'll talk about it more candidly than she did then. But right. And postpartum depression, of course, was something that would be like back in the day. So shame. You're not allowed to say that, right. it, that it's true. Yeah. They're just like the child's being raised by a governess. Yeah, if we don't talk about it, it can't <laughs> yeah. hurt us. It's like Freddy Krueger. Like yeah. don't acknowledge it. And it just goes away. Yeah. Uh, what else did I want to ask? Oh, back to the chemical profiles. Yeah. So anyone in your family, immediate with family with depression? Not immediate. I think that I had uh, grandparents with some depression. And then I also, I remember being on the couch once with my mom. I can't, it was like we were watching some show and suicide came up in it. And just candidly, I was like, hey, have you ever considered suicide? When I was probably 13, <laughs> was like I asked her that. And she goes, day. yeah, of course. And I was like, whoa, really? And she was like, yeah, but I mean, only since I've had you and your brother. <laughs> and made, like that, she put that and distinction guess, on it. You took it the wrong way. <laughs> that she put that distinction on. It. I was like, "What? Ouch!" It's <laughs> like so, I mean, since you came into existence, yeah, constantly, constantly. <laughs> um, but yeah, she. I think that. I think that's just one of those fantasy things, like you were talking about. That's probably what she meant. Is like now that the stakes are even higher. Yeah. I imagine obliterating myself and how bad that would be because you imagine the worst possible outcomes yeah you do but i even i mean i think people who don't have depression still occasionally even think about well if i was to kill myself how would i do it or like maybe like they they, even they like they fantasize about the possibility of like a a a no tie suicide and i don't i've never even like thought about it i've never it's never felt like a good solution there's a difference between the curiosity of a taboo experience enter your head and running through the scenario right and actually having a suicidal tendency obviously and we're going to do an episode i think on suicidality itself but so did she so she just meant you're bad sons you're bad sons i don't know what she meant i didn't cry um (laughs) i'm just seeing that scene in the movie where one of the brothers is being lowered into an early grave (laughs) and the mom saying it should have been me instead of him (laughs) like don't you mean me? No, I just want out, man. <laughs> I need out of this. That was my ticket. Uh, no, I I think she meant she it felt like the she felt so overwhelmed and stressed that this felt like the best way out. Uh but I didn't pry and I didn't ask yeah. anymore and I was and it, it apparently it stuck with me. Yeah. I did do th- there's always a hard limit on it to me if you're a very empathetic person because you can't contemplate it without realizing that like it's also an aggressive decision. It's not just hurts you, it hurts yeah. many people around you, yeah. 
Um, and the economy. Most <laughs> uh, but I think I've had my grandparents suffered with it a little bit, but sure. it's never been. It's not, we've never talked about it in our family. We never do anything about it. Maybe yeah. just not talking about it as a thing, because the other thing is in American culture and hand in hand with the opioid epidemic is this uh, belief that no pain is acceptable yeah. or that we deserve. There shouldn't ever be pain. And that's because, uh, you know, one of the ways they're trying to tackle the roots of the opioid epidemic is why do people want it so bad? And a lot of it is. uh our culture's created this thing where you'll get out of the treatment at the hospital, have what used to be a two on the 10 scale and call it a six just because we're all soft now. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's something like that with your emotional state as well. Here's the point I'm dancing around. Yeah. Uh, my dad has also never been depressed and also never lost his cool in public has blown up and yelled, but only at his children. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's not, me. <laughs> and that not often, you know, a couple yeah. times when we really were being assholes. Um, but otherwise, like, you could be like, oh, the stock market fell over and killed your family. And he'd be like, oh, boy, we'll have to work. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone want to chat about that? And then my mom's very, very prone to depression. And I feel like I got exact 50-50 like mm-hmm. mutant ability halfway in between. Um, so I guess I'm just a big believer in that. And I wonder if you were like born to never be depressed. I don't know. I mean, I can't that. even make speculations about it. Without, without. Exactly. But have you ever speculated? Have you ever seen depressed people? And when I say depression for clarity, cause you're not going to bring me information on that, I guess. Yeah. Um, it is certainly sadness, but people tend to often describe it overlaid with like numbness, detachment. Uh, the reason suicidality is a problem when it overlaps is it is hard to imagine the future or consequences or because you feel that you, it's a delusionary state for many people where you're like, well, if I killed myself, everyone would be happy or if not outright happy, they'd be sad for a few days, but really they'd be better off and they'd realize that in the fullness of time. Um, if you see that around you, what's your reality? Like, do you just think those people are crazy? How do you deal with that? Have you ever had someone in your life who is depressed for a long period of time? Yes. That uh, you tr- that you wanted to uplift. No. How do you? What do you do? You just don't intervene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in those, there have been people in my life who I know who have been depressed, and in those circumstances, maybe it was also because I was younger. It was like high school yeah. age. You just, I would divorce myself from them because I didn't understand what was going on, and was like. Well, this is a, I don't want to be sucked down into this. <laughs> right. Okay. Got and, it. And like, there's way more fun. There's all these great, yeah, better things going on around me. Hey, look at all these other people that are so much more fun to hang out with <laughs> and not realizing that what I was doing was just, was super harmful to them. But I mean, on the other hand, well, it's like foreign intervention when there's a genocide, right? Like, I don't know. Is it your, are it, if it's your best friend and you abandon them in their yeah. moment of need? Yes. But someone who's like, I got to be honest, bro. I don't even know what you're talking about. You might not even be the best person to help them through that anyway. I think that when I was in high school, I had a girlfriend who suffered from some depression and she, and I remember in the moments where she was like dealing with the worst moments of sadness where I was like, I don't think other people are dealing with this. I would Mm. rather hang out with those other people as opposed to being like, 
we should get her help or anything like that. It was right, like, right, right, right. She's, she's like, this is awful. This is so sad. Like, I don't want to have to think about this. Yeah. And just averting my eyes to Dude, it. It's like homelessness. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you ever compartmentalize too much? Is that ever been a source? Of, is that a weird question? No, I think that's valid. Yeah, definitely. There okay. are things that are, um, and I do, if I, it's something that I'm thinking about at night, like mulling it over my head and I can't get rid of it and it's just mm-hmm. on a loop, I visually f- picture myself putting it in a manila envelope and sticking it in a fucking cubby. Wow. <laughs> and then the cubby. thinking, no, I'm thinking about something else. And if it comes up again, I put it away. Again. Like I do the whole process of putting it zen. away again. It's like a meditation technique. Yeah. And it, and it's only like a very bureaucratic version of it. Um, and putting it away. Uh, and yeah, that's, I think that's bitten me in the ass a few times probably okay. where like, I just haven't dealt with things. And then yeah. that is when I, like, I'll have a short temper with my wife over something that is not, does not deserve it. And then I have to reevaluate wh- what, what actually brought that up? Like, why right. was I like that? Why was I so mean to her? <laughs> I'll do that with Jen and the, where I compartmentalize to a fault is if something technically has reached resolution, I am able to compartmentalize it instantaneously. Yeah. Oh, so we'll be raising our voices for 15 minutes. Things getting out of control, arguing, like you said, for example, about something that doesn't matter. Get to the normal point. You always get to where you're like, I didn't mean that. I love you. Sorry. You just pissed me off. Who gives a fuck? If Michael Scott was better than a hypothetical <laughs> version where Will Ferrell continued as the, office as the boss of the office and then uh we're like okay agreed or disagree okay and i'm like so you want to like have sex or watch yeah. eat dinner or something and she's like no i need time yeah i need to I'm emotionally like, recalibrate like, but you said i was forgiven <laughs> it's over now yeah i'm like the people who's like emancipation proclamation <laughs> happened let's just move on there's no scarring or repercussions i think yeah, yeah it's probably the same situation i can i definitely have watched really sad movies with my wife or the, when she was my girlfriend then and been like so you want to fool around like afterwards <laughs> yeah. and she's like no you made out I need to, Schindler's list. <laughs> yeah, i need to reevaluate some things like i need to think about that whole movie i need to like i'm dealing with some emotional things from it You're like yeah and police academy is good <laughs> i can be very moved by something and then immediately just put it away okay so that leads me to a great question that i didn't anticipate i i have this pet theory that there's a there's a, uh, a spectrum and one end of the pole is being grounded in the real world and physical and the other end's like living in this abstract space. And I think people who live in their heads more are much more prone to being moved by literally just thinking about concepts mm-hmm. and movies and shows. Do you cry at movies? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Me too, but not when my friends die. <laughs> like I'm less prone well, to cry. Uh, that's what when than I said a commercial that has the right music where a puppy dog like finds its owner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's I mean the way that I've negotiated that is I do think of it in terms of context. For a show, a movie, a commercial, I have the full context of what this thing means already. <laughs> sure. And when somebody dies in your life, you don't yet. You don't know all the different ways this is going to touch you. And you're just sort of like, you just sort of wait it out. And like, That's well, true. I guess I'm going to enc- encounter these as they come up. And and so, yeah, I, like a friend dies and I'll be like, oh, oh, man, that's too bad. But I know that that's what you're supposed to say. But in the, the moment, I'm not feeling anything at all. Right. Because I'm just like. That is so interesting. But like in a movie, 
if it's just like this kid loves his dog and that's his only characteristic right when the dog dies you're like well his flip switch was flipped to off we know for a fact he, it's just bad forever like, yes they, there's no complexity to him <laughs> the thing was the dog and the dog's right dead. Yeah. i have i have i have Full hindsight, I know everything about this situation, and like right. I get it all now. But for when it happens in the real world, it's like I don't, I don't know how to negotiate this yet. We're gonna have to find out, and then I can, then I'll be set. It's also I'm private in my emotions for you mm. know those reasons as a kid where I was teased for it if I felt anything in uh, the family. No, it's my brother and like gotcha. other kids at school and stuff. They're all pretty vi- They could be pretty vicious. like you're all very mentally stable. So if someone did have like an outburst, they're like, Hey, we're mentally stable. We have to mock you. That's back exactly what they would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they, but I do. I, yeah, I think maybe my dad too. They were like, if you, if you were too emotional about something, they were like, what are you doing? And like really like step back and look at how silly you're being. And I would be like, yeah, I am being silly. That's and then I would shut really, down. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Or maybe my depression is fostered and like bigger and longer running than it has to be because I was treated sensitively. Who well, knows? I mean, I, how this works. I really encourage my son to feel things. <laughs> like, okay, good. Um, that's more of our cultural speed these days. Yeah. There are things occasionally where he will make a big deal about something and I'm like going to call his bluff on yeah. him. Like, you don't, you're not really sad about this. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll fall into the same the same trappings as my family has always been it of like shaming people out of their emotions. But yeah. it uh, for the most part I can like I can at least understand why he's upset and I can like I can sympathize with that and come to his aid and be like I'm I know but yeah. I know like we gotta cry there sometimes. Go. Okay, yeah, good good for you even if you're just phoning it in or yeah. because <laughs> that's the thing I meant earlier is like. My dad would not mock his children when they were emotional, Yeah, but try to come to our aid. And it was so painfully obvious, even from a young age, that he didn't have the capacity or the same wavelength. Yeah. We'd be like, I'm just bad and it's always bad and no one will ever like me because I'm the worst. And he'd be like, well, man, that's rough, son. You know, I love you. You want to go to the swap meet? <laughs> the $10 sunglasses guy is there. You want some sunglasses? There's a cat in your bubble here, Michael. Um, Under the sea, you brought your cat. Is this your vanity item? My Someone <laughs> is riling up these cats. I blame Jen. Jen! Take care of the cats. <laughs> All right, let's just, it's crazy because that's maybe the third time I've ever heard either of them yowl in oh, really? the three years we've owned them. Maybe it's me. But it's also like one of the only times a door has been closed. Mm. That's the only only time I saw my dad freak out was we locked the bedroom door. Oh, and he lost it. You know, so they scared. That. Yeah, he kicked it down. Yeah. Yeah. We were like giggling and laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kicked the door off the hinges. We were like, shit. Yeah. Damn. My dad was would lose his temper a lot when I was young, <sighs> but not in a way where he was physical or anything like that, but just he would yell and get really upset about things. And he'd be... He'd be short with, even if you're trying to get help with your homework and you weren't understanding the concept, he'd get really frustrated early because he's mm. very smart too. Yeah. Like a really bright guy. And when you weren't getting it, he was just like, what? What the fuck? You're not even trying. Because that's what it <laughs> felt like to him was like, it's so easy. Yeah. You got to <laughs> watch that. That's tough if and, you're smart. <laughs> yeah. And so in the same way with like when you fall out of line socially where you're like out at a restaurant, or you're doing something and it's, you've got some sort of faux pas when you're a kid because you don't always mm. remember the rules, even though you know them. <laughs> He'd be so mad because he'd be like, you know the fucking rules. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. 
And so he was pretty short. And I think that I can see that happening with me too. Like I can feel it. I can't. Oh, really? I, I want, I need to live with you for some length of time and observe I, you. I'm a lot, uh, Report back to the audience. I will say that as I've gotten older, I've gotten more prone to anger, mm-hmm. but only with, yeah, people who are very close to but me. But not sadness. No. I'd or say I've gotten further from okay. sadness. I think that there was like a, my peak sadness was junior high and high and beginning of high school. In, and then in many away. ways, you're so average or like so me, basic. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the story I was told I would have. Yeah. Is like, look, you'll get a little angsty in your teen years. You'll hate your parents, make up with them in your 20s. And then it'll even out and like my ride has just been woo, like a wild spinning of the dial of like very unique to me and mm-hmm. unlike like and I think a lot of people experience it's like such a it's a milestone in and of itself to go, man, what bullshit is this hallmark life story we were told that would happen to us, man. Yeah. And it, now here we are in Vietnam doing dope. And you're like, nah, like that basically happened to me. Like yeah, what like, was promised happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I'm going to get that outfit over there that's on that mannequin because I look just like it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, fuck parents, right? Well, yeah, I thought that when I was 17. Now I'm 19, so now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, you probably have maybe covered this on your show before, but do you know when, like, I imagine when you're in it, it feels like you're in a prism where prism where you don't, nothing feels very real and you can't totally tell that you're depressed. Like, how did you really how it come to the realization that you were? That's by far the hardest, most dangerous part is to this day, outside people have to tell me, um, I'm getting better. I'll sometimes notice, although I haven't been depressed since I quit cracked and I'm not trying to talk shit on crack. Yeah. But for me, it had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but in my most recent spells of depression going back, uh, yeah, the main danger is, and people would argue with me. People would have, it's like a cartoon argument where you say, don't let me out no matter how much I scream. Mm-hmm. And then there's a raccoon in there, you know, <laughs> it's that classic scene every time. Where and this is literally word for word and true. Where Jen's like, "Look, you're flipping out. You're crying. I just said what's wrong. You said nothing. You called yourself a piece of shit. You literally told me last time. No matter what I say or do, just keep reminding me that you're in like a delusional state, and life will get better again." And I'm like, "That Michael was a fool." <laughs> The wool has fallen from my eyes. I'm not depressed. I just see the truth that I lack value and the world is pointless. Yeah. And she's like, do whatever you goddamn do when you're depressed. And I'm like, I would. I would do myself soothing things or take my medication if I were depressed. But this is not depression. I see now the world as it really is. And it's like every goddamn time that happens. Yeah. I mean, that was a... That's crazy you say that because like when I thought about a deep lingering sadness that ended in suicide as a kid, uh-huh. the fear to me was, oh, it's the people who see the world, they they discover something new because it was people like Hemingway that I knew or Virginia Woolf who like walks into a river with stones in her pocket. It has an addictive way of making you think you're smart. You're yeah. smart. I'm but de- people I respected, people who I was like, they see they their eyes are clear, like they see the world for what it is. And they didn't like it and they left. And when I'm depressed and people are like, you're just being depressed. And I'm like, no, life is only shit. And they're like, there's good parts too. I'm like, you naive, simple idiot. Yeah, It's <laughs> like, it makes you feel clever yeah. that you can't derive joy from life. 
Yeah. Oh, that's rough, man. Because that's you, a spiral. Then you can't get out of that. That's definitely one of the main messages of this show, and I think why this show deserves to exist and isn't just peering at car wrecks on the freeway mm-hmm. is to get the message out and get conversation out and destigmatize talking about it with your friends and loved ones because it often needs an external source, which is not to blame you in high school for not interceding with your girlfriend. Right. Um, but what happened? Is she alive? Yeah, she's got okay, kids. Great. She good got married her. and stuff like that. Good, good, good. And she, she was somebody who, uh, I don't know. It's so awful. I mean, your your kids are bad. Kids are bad news in general. And I was bad when I was in high school. And basically, there was a girl that I was dating who I didn't really feel a lot of things for, but I was ready to practice uh, an emotional relationship with somebody and like trying out things. Basically, that's and, like, something I have done. I think making somebody that. fall in love with you or like seeing if you could. Or, and then well, what it, is your first relationship going to be if not acting like what you think it's supposed to be? I don't know anyone that immediately was like. Even if they married and it worked out with their first person, they weren't like date one. We yeah. had this advanced level of mature processing and everything was in perspective. But I do think of, <laughs> of the quintessential high school relationship of people feeling love for the first time and being so earnest about it at every turn and thinking that this is the world. And I did never think that. I did never, in the relationships that I had, it was like, oh no, I know this isn't love. In my private heart. But outwardly, I was like, and now I write her a poem or like now I do these things and I'm going to see what works here. And like... I'm going to listen to the things that she says and the things things she's afraid of and like negotiate that with her and, and, uh, just like practicing it at an emotional relationship in a way that was really dishonest. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. And you knew at the time. Yes. That's interesting. Cause I feel like I, that resonates really hard for me. I did the exact same thing, but, and this is common with me don't want to take on any guilt or feeling that I am being cruel. Like mm-hmm. cruelty is abhorrent to me in my own mind. So I deluge, I did it so hard. I also believed that it was real. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where like you just, and you just don't check in on that part too hard. I because picked if a girl you really at random, it. pursued her as hard as I could yeah. until I was in a long-term relationship with her that I thought I enjoyed. It was like, yeah, what I never even thought about whether I like this person or we have anything in common or not. I just went for the goal. I was eyes on the prize. I, that's very similar to what yeah. I had done. Um, but you were able to step back and be like, no, I am the manipulator. <laughs> well, I remember thinking how it just having it, that, that point where I was feeling like, well, I don't feel any of this and feeling kind of bad about that, but not to the degree that I was going to stop. What but is just, this? That's another thing is I don't know if what I feel that's love is what I'm supposed to feel or the right. same as what other people feel. Right. Crazy. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, whether the whether love is even like a real thing. <laughs> I know it's idealized and exaggerated somewhat, but to what percentage? So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, right. Because there's a lot of stuff from from fiction. And that's really, I mean, I think we're all starting, certainly the people at Cracked who are in this very particular mind space and, and have dealt with pop culture their entire life. We thought everything, I had expectations for everything based on things that I had seen. And to the point where I, in a, when something big happens in my life, big and emotional, mm-hmm. it, I don't have an earnest feeling about it. Like I have uh, context from a movie or from uh, a book that I read or something like that that's gonna put I'm gonna put in its place and so it's hard for any moment to really feel uh, earnest 
uh, because that's a depressed statement. Po- <laughs> that's the first thing you said that a depressed person would say. Oh, really? None, none of these moments feel real. This is all phony. But you're saying it for a different reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, yeah, I think that uh, I've, it's, I don't know. I, you know what the, the, the cave is? Yeah, Plato's Cave has yeah. come up on one of our podcasts already oh, really? before. Okay, great. So everybody like listening already has in. context. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was not explained at that time. Oh. Google the goddamn Plato's people in the cave if you don't know. Yeah. Come okay. back. And and so they're all they're seeing are these shadows on the wall, and that's what they think uh, life is. And then a guy gets to leave, and he gets to see what actual what the world is, that mm-hmm. everything, that these visions he's seen before are just shadows. And like... Uh, I, th- I think of that in terms of us watching movies, like we're all sitting in this dark room and Absolutely. we're all just looking at this wall and we're just looking at la- representations of what we think we're supposed to be feeling or doing. And I think in our real life, we tend to watch it like a narrative play out and keep expecting that moment to come. Yeah. Uh, when will I get out of the cave and see with clarity yeah. what I'm supposed to be doing that will lead to my ultimate happiness? It's like you don't even know what you're trying to get done. But this idea of there's some contentment out there that's my perfect being, yeah. destiny, fulfillment version. That, and it feels like myself. you can really get addicted to um, coming up with new reasons why your life is not right, why it's in shambles. Like even in romantic comedies, they're like, she thought she had it all. She yep. didn't realize was she was missing a man or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And and in every movie, there's some realization where you're like, oh, no, I thought I was happy and I'm not. Yeah. And so when you have those moments where you're like you really check in with yourself and you you realize that there's this huge quadrant missing, there's some pleasure in it because you've seen it happen so many times in movies. That you're like, ah, now I'm on the right path. Like I'm back on it. Yes. And so you can get and addicted both are to those. False. The highs. Yeah. yeah. Because the other thing is count your blessings is so trite but people say it over and over because it's a hard to do but if you can accomplish it it's like does real good in your life in the same way that i would say because i was talking about how impossible it is to get out of a depression because you're in that delusional state but occasionally i have like myself been like this feels exact feels like depression walks like depression i guess i'm depressed and i don't have any hope that uh it will help when i take the medication but then it does so i'm like I trusted myself and like the muscle memory worked. So I do encourage people to try, but also sometimes need intercession. Um, but my point is about what we were just talking about. Can you refresh me? <laughs> uh, but, uh, the people in the cave, yeah. right? FOMO also paucity yeah. of expectation. So one way that depression really manifests itself very sinisterly in my life that I hate and I'm trying to work on is I don't think anything that, I've that we've done you me us the whole greater group so far is anywhere near good enough of what I expected us all for mm-hmm. all of us including my like the cla- the life story I'm on mm-hmm. you and me should be in a penthouse celebrating the release of like the second installment of a franchise of films that we're all working on again that's where I thought we would be at the ages wow, we're at those were so lofty those and goals they're so lofty and so I live every day just being disappointed in myself. Uh, because, dude, that's interesting. You were, you're very ambitious in a way that nice, I never really saw. I would say this about like everyone on the crack team. We're like nice, smart, capable, and there are... I'm not going to go through person by person, but there are people... I think it really was a special team. There are people on the crack team, many, that I would be like, they have to be in the top 90 percentile of talent in their field of their age on earth right now in the industry. 
Um, so yeah, I don't think it was too much to expect because I'll go to a movie and see some piece of shit. Yeah. But what you realize, of course, is life is complicated. It's bumpy. Uh, it is something of a meritocracy, but not completely a meritocracy. Right. It's something of a work hard system and you'll benefit, but not completely. And also random shit will happen that will set you back, set you forward. Uh, so try to not be like Mike. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking back on like why if ambitions. Your life is good, I never really had like notice. a five year plan or anything. I was sort of ambitionless. And people seem to be much happier when they can do that. Well, because things come to you and you're like, Oh, okay, this is cool. This is great. This is nice. Um, and when they don't, you're like, Oh, well, <laughs> you're, there's not like a time. There's no timer running out. There's nothing that you're getting closer to that feels like, I haven't done what I, I haven't done what I thought I was going to achieve by now. What the fuck am I? Am I a waste of space? Good on you, man. <laughs> and I encourage everyone to try. And it's there's not much to do except practice thinking that way and try. Uh, Vonnegut would say, pause and say, if this isn't nice, what is? Which can help. Like there's like, you know, something that does work for me, and it is the same as training a muscle or muscle memory is like you said, mantras, visualizations that are yeah. repetitive. That can have an effect over time. Uh, you like be depressed and just realize, oh wait, I do this when I'm depressed. Good. Oh, get yeah. yourself out of it. Train yourself ahead of time when you're not depressed. Right. You yeah. get. Uh, yeah. It's hard to. I mean, I have a hard time even conceptualizing what it must <laughs> be like. But I, I foresee it as like, you, you can go in with whatever weapons you want to the to the final boss battle. But like, right. You you want to equip yourself the best you can, and the more times that you face him, the the easier it is to to figure out how to get out of the situation. Yes. <laughs> and like the first time you're just completely overwhelmed yeah, and maybe you, I'm just you have the wrong level of experience. You didn't bring the right stuff with you. Like you need to do it all over again. And then yes. you, once you, and that's an awful slog and like, that's sort of terrifying. Cause there's this whole sunk cost to it of like, how did I took forever getting here? What if my creativity is tied up in my depression? Like that kind of stuff is really terrifying. That's never occurred to me. <laughs> Fuck that one hasn't struck me before. I know it's a common one, but that never bought. Cause when I'm depressed, I also am very unproductive. Just oh, lose that's all good. interest. Yeah. It's good incentive. Um, yeah. But as far as like, Counting your blessings. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my that pleasure. This was the, fun. like light that we have five minutes left. This was a. Uh, this was good. I. This is maybe the most honest I've been on a Hooray. podcast ever. <laughs> oh, oh, just on a podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. no. These are the only times where like the real me is You're out. Like there. Colleen's really got to hear this. There's going to be a lot of surprises. <laughs> I'm like, there weren't any bombshells in here. <laughs> no videos and stuff. Where there's a personality you know. panels, but there's a personality here. We can actually be. Hey, it's me, Soren. Yeah, and that's. The obvious upside of leaving cracks and starting a thing that is zero budget. Zero budget sucks, but very lucky to be coinciding with the rise of podcasting because it's yeah. basically zero budget. So I'm still getting to write my shit. You know what I mean? And I feel like, especially these little monologues at the top of Tales from the Pit, it's exactly my wheelhouse. It's the kind of thing I would write left to my own devices. So I'm pleased. If I had a suggestion, I would say not blowing all your money on this pod at the bottom of the ocean. Right. There's exactly. better. There's those like locations you can. Huge recording record problems at. too. Like the audio will not be good. <laughs> there will be a lot of bubble sounds. <laughs> Mics are leaky. But man, I could talk to you for a long time. Would you come back sometime? Is yeah, that sure. A possibility? Yeah, I'm right, happy great. to. Yeah, uh, um, I apologize to anybody who is dealing with depression when the things that I say so clearly out me as somebody who's not on your like. No more power to you, man. Um, oh, I was just gonna tell a story about like something I'm I'm wondering because 
you like me have the blessing slash complicated situation of sometimes people on the street will approach you. Mm-hmm. Um, I got yelled at by a fan in Iowa or Idaho. I don't remember um, who recognized me because they were talking about all the things they like. And I was saying shit like, yeah, you know, maybe a movie someday. Yeah. You know, it's what I, you know, it's not what I want to do, but it's adjacent. So, you know, thanks. We try. And he's like, this is a big deal for me meeting you. Don't fucking shit all over <laughs> your own accomplishments. It's like, uh, he said this. I would not compare myself to Bill Murray. It's like meeting Bill Murray and he just shits on Ghostbusters. And I'm like, that sounds like something Bill Murray I would do. I think he would do that. He'd be like, I coasted through that movie. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, have you not coasted through any movie? But yeah. Um, so do try to count your blessings. If there's a vague observation I have made one, about this topic, one of them would be, people who stay present or tend not to think about the future and take things and just look at them and go, well, this is happening really now. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's good. It's a good, it's a good way to stave off depression. <laughs> I should actually do more of that. I should really acknowledge when things are, yeah, are good or bad in my life. Instead, I do ignore them. And like to the point where it's like, well, maybe if I ignore it forever, I never have to deal with it. Sometimes you don't know if the ultimate repercussions will be good or bad though. Yeah. So you can ignore stuff and have it resolve itself and be like, that worked out nicely. Yeah. It's safe <laughs> it's to ignore something. That, that, that works out yeah. sometimes. Uh, so where can people find you? Uh, I work for uh, the show American Dad Ooh. as a staff writer. And, so uh, come to the offices. Yeah, come on down. Get a tour. Endanger his new job. <laughs> uh, yeah, just look for uh, my work on TBS. Starting in February, the show comes back. Boo. Yeah. Do you have no interest in driving Twitter followers? Is that? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, too. Uh, it's Soren underscore LTD. Plus, then they'll know. You'll probably mention when your episode comes out. I imagine it will yeah. be important to you. <laughs> I will keep people abreast of when my episodes come out. Uh, and also, even episodes that I've touched at all. that have my right. fingerprints on them. I'll be so excited that Said I'll be like, this joke like is mine. This is yeah. mine. This yeah. is mine. Yeah, awesome, man. I guess that's all. Thanks, buddy. Can't wait to do this again sometime, on air or off. And congratulations on living up to all the success and happiness you've been blessed with. It couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Much love from the pit. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!